Hear now the word of the Lord as it is written in a letter to the Corinthians. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing things that are, so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. I love meeting new people, and it's not just because I'm slightly an extrovert and I get more energy the more people I meet and the action gets going, but it's because there is this magical moment when you first meet somebody where you can ask all the things that you are wondering, and it's not really rude. You can say, so how, are you married? Do you have children? What is it you spend your time doing? Oh, do you have any hobbies? Where do you live? Where are you originally from? Oh, that accent doesn't sound like it's from there. You can ask those things, but there comes a time when all of a sudden something flips and you feel like, well, I should know if they have kids. I should know what that person does for a living but I can't remember. I mean, we all can't be head usher John Jones, who keeps it all in his head. But all of a sudden you think, well, I should know those things, but now I can't ask it because I see them all the time. It's almost as if we might be sitting next to somebody on the pew time and time again, but then are so surprised to find out that their mother has been sick for years or that they lost their job because we've gotten past the point of asking. 
When I started to know, to get to know all of you, during my call process, one of the things that really stuck out to me was asking people, why is this your church home? And all of these stories started coming out about the compassion, about the community, about the relationships. On my Invuva call weekend, when we went downstairs and we had lunch, I asked a few more of you who hadn't been on the search committee, and some more stories were shared. But what sticks out to me is that afterwards, as we were shaking hands and saying goodbye, a few people came up and said, wow, I'm learning more about people in my congregation during this search process than I have in years. I guess I just never asked how they became a part of this church. I guess I never want to talk about my job, so I don't ask other people about theirs. Simple excuses for why we don't ask deeper questions to the people that are right around us. In our passage today that Katie read, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. It's his first major urban mission. So as any mother or father or someone who has created or started something, you can imagine his love and his wanting for this community to flourish, to do well. And we hear his call for them to display love to one another, to be united. It focuses on the issues of exclusion that are going on in this church. Not sharing the Lord's Supper among the community, forming cliques based on who was baptized by who, different teachings, disagreements, dishonoring each other in worship. But Paul is talking about the symptoms of a deeper issue, a lack of true community. This passage is right at the beginning, just 18 verses in, and right after a salutation, Paul jumps to the main point. Be united. Let there be no divisions among you. This group, Corinth, they're proclaiming to be community. They're proclaiming to serve God, to love each other, and Paul's, Paul is admonishing them to commit to this vision, to move from just a group of people to a community that is committed around an issue. To remind the church to be church. And for him, for them, he centers this on being united around the cross. These words are for us too, because the cross bridges the gap between a group of people and a community. Last week, Katie defined community as a group engaging with each other around a common commitment. And that common commitment is the cross. This is the gospel. It's the hope. It's the good news. But he's not talking about the upside of the story here. He doesn't call them around unity, around resurrection, around the empty tomb. He doesn't talk about the power and overcoming death he isn't describing the resolution of the issue, the redemption of the failure, the miraculous light breaking into the dark, but instead, Paul is saying that it wasn't the act of raising Christ that displayed power in a foolish way. 
It was the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. When we think of God's power in our lives, we think of resurrection moments, the positives, how our needs were provided for, how we were able to accomplish different goals, how many people were fed, how many diapers donated, how much money raised, how long a ministry lasted. But we don't often bring to mind our cross-like moments when we're looking at the power of God, the moments when we might feel abandoned, when we're being beat, when we failed. These don't, these don't have the same ability to conjure up power in our minds. I think it's easier to talk about being a resurrection people than to talk about being a people of the cross. It's more comfortable and easy to highlight what we can do well or what possibilities are out there, who we can help, how, how much we can accomplish when we renew our call towards God. Imagine hungry bellies full, the naked clothed, those suffering, rejoicing. It's foolish even absurd to proclaim Christ crucified. God with us in the depths of pain and suffering, even unto death at the hands of those God created. It's a weak God, but it's our proclamation. The cross is the center of the story, the heart of the gospel message found in the greatest moment of weakness. The greatest moment of weakness for God, and maybe what's harder to admit, the heart of the gospel message is found in our greatest moments of weakness. Paul says, consider your own call, sisters and brothers. You may not be wise by human standards. You may not be powerful. You may not be noble. You may not have it all together. You may not be deeply compassionate. You may not be forgiving. Have you noticed that in our culture, every time we tell a story, we tell it about our scars, not our open wounds? It's okay for us to share our pain, our humiliation, our embarrassment, our failures, as long as we can tell you how we overcome it. Our ears are cued to listen for the hero's entrance, the all-of-a-sudden change that made it where you could break through and get over it. But the cross teaches us that the place of deepest vulnerability is actually the place of greatest encounter. When we are proclaiming the cross, it's embracing our own wounds, where we are right now. It's not turning our face away from an area of our life until God has fixed it or until we've worked on it. The power and wisdom of God that is our weakness is what God loves. In our failures, God loves. In our despair, God loves. In our shame, God loves. 
In the cross, when God is weakest, God is loving. In our crosses, God loves. I want to read again the last couple of verses from that passage. God chose what is low and despised in this world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are. He's the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that as it is written, let, no, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. When I was younger, I was taught again and again, do not be proud, do not boast in what you can do. But instead I heard, make sure not to be proud of anything you can do by yourself, because you're a mess. We humans are broken. The messy parts of us Nobody wants to see that. Make sure and put on your perfect face. Make sure and be happy so that others will see happy Christians and want to come follow God. My own unwillingness to embrace all of myself was what kept me from hearing the gospel message. To embrace all of ourself. God is in the weakness God's the source of life and those darkest moments of vulnerability, and it's those places that the gospel is proclaimed. Rick Rogers took me and Katie a while back on a tour. We went to the old NBC church building, talked about some of the first pastors, um, Gordon Crosby, and some connections with Church of the Savior. And as we learned about those connections and different ministries that have happened over the years, the phrase kept coming up, your deepest pain is the source of our deepest calling. Many of the ministries that we learned about were birthed out of somebody's deepest pain. The shame of being homeless giving somebody a passion to try and give housing to all those who are in need, the frustration of being turned away from job after job after job, to be a calling to create a place that trains and equips people for employment. And we see this in many areas of our lives, people who, who've struggled with something now aid others in learning how to overcome it. Those who've experienced grief help others cope. If you think of any of our ministries at McLean Baptist, maybe not remembering back to when they started, but even the people who are part of them right now, you can also often trace there is something that affected their lives that gives them a passion to keep pursuing. A new mother who remembers how difficult it is to just be present with a screaming child may long after want, help, want to have help in the nursery. Somebody who knows what it's like when you can't get around and need help to drive may want to offer that to others. It gives you a passion. 
And this is what Paul is asking us to do. Proclaiming the cross by looking in and embracing our own weakness to find the strength and power that is there to live out of. It isn't that we aren't loving each other. That's not why we don't know everybody's job or what they do or what's going on in their lives. Sometimes it's that we didn't look inside of ourselves and embrace those same questions to, to us, to our own hearts. Rallying around the cross for unity starts within. It starts within to embrace the weakness inside of you, to see what that is and to find God in that, to be vulnerable to yourself. The foolishness of accepting all my wounds as they are right now, being open to God's presence in them. God is a God of the cross, and we are a people of the cross, a crucified people, people with unmet needs, who make mistakes, who wrestle with decisions, who have despair and hatred, but people who have a passion. We are a crucified people gathering with a passion to love God, and we are a vulnerable community. Let's pray. God, we thank you that the absurdity is that in the things that seem the weakest, the darkest, the most disparaging, you bring life and love with your presence, that we are never alone. God, we ask this morning that you help us to embrace all of those parts of ourselves to know that to boast in the Lord is to rejoice in you. God, we ask that you awaken in us our passion to help others, to guide them to see you in the pain, to know ourselves deeper so that we can know others deeper. We pray all these things. Amen.